Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the State of Our Workforce, Where Are We Now? This is a monthly discussion series hosted by the National Fund for Workforce Solutions, where we go beyond the Department of Labor's monthly job numbers, and we explore issues that are really at the forefront of workforce development today. My name's Tom Strong. I'm the National Fund's Director of Employer Activation, pinch hitting today for Amanda Cage, our CEO, who's on vacation today. And for everyone joining us, thank you for being here and welcome. I am particularly excited to welcome today's guest, Angela Carr-Klitsch, who is president and CEO of Employ Indy in Indiana. Angela, welcome. It's great to have you here. Thanks so much, Tom. I appreciate the invitation to join you. So the labor market, the economy we are living in today, mm -hmm. it remains really weird. It is an unusual time in the economy. On the one hand, there are, you know, there's perpetually high inflation that's a concern to a lot of people. While supply chain lines are still problematic, they seem to be getting a little bit better. Um, and there's concerns about a recession for some people. At the same time, we are not seeing any of that in the labor market data. The US added over 370,000 new jobs in the last month. Um, wages for the lowest quintile of Americans are still well up what they used to be despite inflation. Um, so it's really an unusual and, and interesting time in the economy. Angela, I'm curious, like, how does this look in Indiana right now? Tom, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, it has been a very volatile labor market with a huge dislocation happening in March of 2020. Um, and yet we find ourselves two and a half years later in a point in time where you know, here in Indiana, our unemployment rate is 2.2%, um, but we only have 62.9% of working age adults participating in the labor force. These are actually really similar statistics as to when, when I started in this position in 2016. Um, and at that time, we really tried to develop at Employee Indy some long-term talent development solutions for employers who were starved for that talent. Um, and I would indicate at this moment that those employers who started on that journey of being co-creators of talent a number of years ago versus just consumers of talent find themselves in a better position now because they've been creating those pipelines and those opportunities to their place of employment versus necessarily those employers that um, haven't had to augment their staffing solutions over the course of the last few years. So employers at this moment um, are really reaching out to us and other partners to stand up job fairs. Um, and while we continue to do those and see a lot of success, particularly when we have a critical number of people in our American Job Center who are looking for reemployment, we also recognize that um, we need to develop more public-private partnerships with employers to create those pathways to opportunity for individuals, but also to help them have an ROI on the back end and be able to stand up operations as an employer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is, it, is, it is certainly a complicated time to be an employer right now. And I bet a lot of employers in your region and elsewhere are looking at this constrained market and thinking about how do they fully staff up and thinking maybe we need to hire more young people. Um, Cause it's true. Like unemployment is higher for young people, especially people who are opportunity youth or otherwise face barriers to employment. How are, 
how, do, how does this labor market look to the youth that you're working with? And how are you helping them to feel like they can be fully competitive in this labor market? It's a good trend. I mean, we know from data that young people who are working at 15 and 16 years old will have lifetime earnings that out uh, earn their peers. Um, so it's great to see statistically more young people participating in the labor force. There are some real constraints, you know, many of them have other demands around their education. Um, so there's time constraints. And we also find that there is transportation constraints in our own market. So one of our efforts to really connect young people for that in that first job, it's an ABC continuum that any job, better job career is to aggregate employers in our community who are really in that retail and service sector and put those positions on a platform so young people can more clearly search for those opportunities that are close to their place of uh, school or close to their home as well to mitigate that transportation barrier. We're also really trying to empower young people to know their worth, right? Um, and be prepared for that job because as employers are hungry for talent, there are expectations that a young person in particular would show up ready to work. Maybe not have the occupational skills, but have those soft skills, those employability skills. And so we've aligned something called the Job Ready Indie curriculum to a youth population. They can earn badges to show competencies around time management, conflict resolution, uh, a growth mindset, and make them even more viable on the private marketplace with those employers. They can demonstrate those badges on this platform and employers can um, vet candidates through those kind of uh, increasing skill sets that they've developed um, to be ready for the job. So it's just one of the ways I think that um, young people can continue to grow their skill set to be ready for the opportunity. But then we're also advising them around, um, you know, what is a good wage and what are questions to be asked about future prospects within a company, um, if that's something you're looking for as more of a career. You mentioned um, that some some young people are still in school and trying to figure this out. Mm -hmm. How does this labor market look and how how are you know educational institutions training providers what challenges are they faced with and how are they responding to them yeah. um COVID has been a huge disruptor for the education system so we definitely see an increase in the leaky education pipeline not as many young people are making it across the finish line in high school our theory of change is that if young people can see the value of their education in the world of work by creating quality work-based learning experiences, that they're more likely to persist, not only in the high school space, but in the post-secondary space. So really looking, I think, for um, helping, you know, the institutions of education to rethink how to deliver employment and education concurrently, whether through apprenticeship models or other types of work-based learning, um, and helping, um, I think, recognize that education is, while it's not the singular equalizer, it's an incredibly important feature. So when we see that post-secondary matriculation rates in Indiana for the class of 2020 have dropped to 53%, a 12 percentage point drop over the last five years, that is concerning. Some of that is reflective of the labor market and that there's a lot of employment out there, but we know that oftentimes people get stuck at a lower wage job if they don't have that educational attainment to join their experiences as well. 
So circling back to employers, are there ways that employers can work more productively with educational institutions that can you know, help solve their problems, but also improve opportunities for, for young people? I definitely believe so. And that's a great prompt and question, Tom. You know, the employer community in this moment is hungry for talent. We've got to illuminate opportunities for them to connect to education earlier on and also give ideas and provide technical assistance of what can transpire inside the company to be attractive to job seekers in this moment in time. We're really grateful to the National Fund for Workforce Solutions, Annie Casey Foundation, and the Generation Work Activity to allow us to vet some products that will help companies on their journey around racial equity. We're also excited about really um, recognizing employers in our community who have made a commitment to a good wage. So their wage threshold is $18 an hour or higher, and they offer uh, employer-sponsored benefits. And we're looking at other ways. So particularly, how can a company demonstrate career pathways and advancement opportunities so that they can retain talent. That is a, ne a necessary partner in that is higher education institutions to help come alongside that. And then, of course, we're looking at helping those employers who will not necessarily meet the $18 an hour wage threshold, um, but really are in, uh, thinking about ways to support their workforce. The reality is many individuals are not successful on the job if they are making lower than $18 an hour because of life challenges, childcare mm -hmm. and transportation. Can we aggregate some employers and really have a liaison to help mitigate some of those challenges for their workforce. So I'm really excited about bringing new products and tools um, through support of the National Fund to the employer community, because it really is going to take a public-private partnership to try to address issues of equity and also ensure that our young people have opportunities for economic mobility. Yeah, it really will. We are getting to the end of our time, so I want to appreciate you, Angela. You mentioned a couple of tools that you you all are using or developing, would those be, those be things you can share with our audience on LinkedIn? Be happy to share with the audience. We'll, we'll create uh, or share out the links um, to some of those tools. And then I'm happy to answer any questions offline too. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Angela, for joining me today. And thank you to our audience for joining us. Be sure to join us again next month. And in the meantime, visit the State of Our Workforce on nationalfund.org for our upcoming broadcast dates. Thanks and have a wonderful day, everyone.